Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello and thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire and I'm your crimbly jimbly host, Terence Adams. My pronouns are the theys and the he's, if you so please. This is a little reminder to cis people, that means not transgender people, that y'all should introduce yourself with pronouns too. We all have them, so share them. Gaywire is coming to you live, pre-recorded, but still, on CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichiwiskaigan on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. Colonially, this place is called Edmonton. This week, we are blessing your ears with some spoken word content for the whole 58 minutes we have on air. One of our quirky reporters, Artemis Peasley, spoke with Kat Simmers and Ryan Danny Owers about their queer-as-all-heck graphic novel series, Pass Me By. I do want to apologize about some of the audio quality for this interview. Sometimes the Wi-Fi just craps out in the middle of a rad tidbit and we are left wanting more, but I still think it's incredibly worthwhile to hear. Artemis, Kat, and Ryan talk about uh, Kat and Ryan's books, uh, their art influences, trans shenanigans, the Matrix, and prairie queer history, to name just a few of the many great things covered in this interview. But before we get into that, a couple of announcements. First, the CHU Project is a fantastic organization here in so-called Edmonton that provides free services to 2S LGBTQ plus youth and emerging adults in need. Their services include, but aren't limited to, assistance with transportation, food, shelter, and internet access. This is an incredible resource and is currently in a partnership with Brightline for a crowdfunding campaign. The goal for this is 50000 by April 20th. To donate, head on over to uabgive.ca slash outpost. Again, to donate, that is uabgive.ca forward slash outpost. Additionally, the community fridge outside of the Earth's General Store is always accepting fresh vegan donations. So, if you have any, please head on over and put them in that fridge. Again, that is a wonderful example of mutual aid, and it's great. So, yeah. Also, Q Lawrence is still raising money for its wheelchair. The fundraiser is about halfway there, so please, please, please head on over to at QJustTheLetter on Instagram and click on the link in bio to donate. To learn more about Q, check out their aforementioned Instagram at QJustTheLetter, and or head on over to Gaywire's podcast side and listen to our two-part conversation with Q about disability justice and medically-assisted death in Canada. 
Those episodes are titled Queer Crip 1 and 2. And once more, to donate for Q's new wheelchair, Instagram at Q just the letter. That's a sentence, by the way. It's not just the letter Q. It's Q just the letter. And click that link in bio. And here is just a quick little tidbit of what they are all about. Again, if you want to listen to this whole interview, head on over to your favorite podcasting platform and search for Gaywire CJSR, and the episode is Queer Crip 1 and 2. But here is a little snippet. Alrighty! So thank you so very much for listening. Um, again, if you want to donate for Q's wheelchair, uh, head on over to its Instagram at Q just the letter and click that link in bio. And now it is time to hear from Artemis Peasley as she speaks with Kat Simmers and Ryan Danny Owens. Ryan Danny Owen, they them. And I'm Kat Simmers, and I go by she, they. Hey, how are you guys today? It's so good to see you, finally. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just closing. Closing windows. Closing windows. <laughs> Trying to get that latency. Um, anyway, uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm like kind of in like a little bit of a limbo period right now where I'm just like waiting to hear back from like different things that I've heard about. Um, but it's like a nice opportunity to like take some rest uh, while I can, because things are like really heating up with our next book and opportunities this summer. So I am going to be uh, wishing for a break right now in no time. <laughs> and I am here. <laughs> I am functioning. Yeah. So could you tell our audience a bit about yourselves and what you do? And of course, about your lovely books that you've got. Yeah like individual stuff and then we'll jump into the book uh sure do you want to go first yeah so i am a uh artist author and muralist um based out of mckinsis also known as calgary um and a huge part of my art practice throughout the past almost five years now has been a collaborative series which i work on with ryan called pass me by oh <laughs> and uh i'm a a visual artist and a, a writer and a queer historian, also working in Mokinsis, Calgary, Alberta. And uh, yeah, just been working on the series. We just finished, uh, and then Kat is gonna start illustrating it next month actually. So kind of starting to ramp up and getting on to the next section of things. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We like left, uh, we have uh, like Comic Expo in Calgary here coming up. And last year, our second book wasn't even out yet. We were just like teasing it. Um, and now up with book two out and book three like very much in the works and like uh on track to be yeah uh, we like to do things quickly <laughs> people have been like oh, okay there was a four book gap the four year gap between book one and book two so we're like okay well we'll give you a two year gap i guess <laughs> but uh yeah comics take time so yeah. i i need my <laughs> my space to illustrate the things in the very particular way that i like to yeah, especially cat's style of illustrating very intensive that one party scene took like almost a year in itself <laughs> oh my goodness yeah we it's so 
planning things so quickly and we're like, yeah, there's this packed party scene. And then I come around to illustrating that and I'm like, oh, what have I done? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So full of things. We're very ambitious. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I feel silly because I haven't read the second book, but I've stolen uh, the first book from uh, the podcast coordinator here at CJSR, Chris, for the past, has to be close to a year, uh, with the intention of doing this interview, and now it's finally happening. I, I, I'm a big fan of this book, so this is, uh, this is very exciting for me. Yeah, I, I hope you get to read the second one soon. Maybe that one's like the mega queer one. We really mm -hmm. were like balls to the walls queer on that one. <laughs> yeah, we sort of like subtly inserted a lot of like queer conversations Ooh. in rural spaces yeah. and then like fully went down a queer detour yeah. um, for book two. We were talking in the period between book one and book two, it was a lot of like, you know, it was a transitional period in a lot of different ways because that was like kind of the first area where Cat uh, started exploring, you know, non-binary identity and I was kind of also emerging into that space. And then from, you know, book one, you just, everything kind of changed and it kind of moved with the book series in itself. So I'm excited for you to read it. I hope you mm. enjoy the next one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like such a really interesting, like organic integration between this story of Pass Me By and where like our lives have taken us to like our first book is really about like isolation and like loneliness um which were things that we were both dealing with at the time and then in releasing that book and like connecting with our queer community here in calgary mm -hmm. we started to like really understand this like celebration of coming together as a community and that started to uh seep into the work that we were doing in book two and really like pushed us to take that further and to really look at our series as like produced by queer folks for queer folks. Um, and then that continues through into book three mm -hmm. and in really exciting ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, for our listeners who haven't read your book or this is their first exposure to it, what would you, what would you tell them? Like, what's your, uh, what's your pitch for the, that, the, those people? Little elevator pitch. You have it this time? Yeah. So um, Pass Me By is a queer rural Canadian. Um, it's a split narrative about a man dealing with dementia in this small town and sort of a story about him dealing with illness and disease and community and reconnecting with a granddaughter and jumping back into Ed's past and into this queer history where Ed goes on tour with a glam rock band. Um, we sort of reduced this... Uh, rural masculine archetype and then I've been working to sort of subvert your expectations of who that person might be and to like plant seeds of growth in that community heading forward in our series. Mm -hmm. It's also too like uh, the 19 the 1970s is such an interesting period in talking mm -hmm. about like gender identity and especially is dealing with dementia and kind of losing his history and those memories which he actually keeps closeted and quite hidden from people in his daily life as an old man that they're kind of seeping into the like the modern or the the uh the now the present as he's kind of contending just, so it's kind of a a play i guess on talking about gender and sexuality and kind of acceptance and coming to mm -hmm. terms with like who you are and that's uh even more amped up in the the following book in the book three because we're kind of dealing with some trans issues and we're dealing with gender and you know, an interesting period of uh transition there's that word again yeah i think that we've got a really exciting way of like talking about queerness across generations and across time. Um, 
particularly in like an era now where like queerness has become more of like a dominant force and it's taking out more space in conversation. Um, we're kind of like tracing back through to like the history of where this all comes from and particularly how queer people have always been here mm -hmm. and how we've like always deserved a place at the table. Um, yeah, that's a big part of like uh, in my work, I'm a queer historian and I work a lot with collecting photographs from like the 1970, 90s markets and collectives and all these things as kind of a way of like documenting a history that has the potential to disappear mm. or like is something that's kind of unseen or unmixed, unexplored. So it's kind of a way of connecting all of these intergenerational points back to the story, I guess. And it's the hue of the series. And I think it's really interesting how this like idea of erasure connects with the work that you do as a queer historian and an artist with uh, Ryan does these beautiful rubbing works that uh, take queer imagery and treats them through uh, removal techniques. And maybe you can talk a bit more about that, but I think the way that that ties into dementia <laughs> is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm here I'm to like, talk about the book. Don't ask about, 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 about our seed porn in the background as usual. <laughs> um, but I do a lot of work with like uh, gay pornography in terms of uh, disrupting archival material and jumping back between past and present and work that like touches a lot of different touchstones in history is like a pretty major thing within my practice and that comes into the book a lot as well. And what sort of inspired you folks to make this specific story as opposed to, you know, well, what about a guy who has dementia, but he grew up in like the 90s or something? So what uh, led you towards the 70s specifically? Yeah, I think that I um, I was like the way that gender was being pushed in the 70s. Um, like glam rock has been like a, a real like iconic period for me. Um, you know, we had like in 1969, like Mick Jagger performed Hyde Park wearing a dress. David Bowie was appearing on album covers and dresses and in a very androgynous Freddie Mercury and Queen, the New York Dolls. Like there was, there was a lot of like boundaries that were being pushed in that period. Um, so it felt like there was like a really vital sense of and aesthetic happening in that period. And it also worked out well for like the timeline that we had of where where we wanted Ed to end up with like Ed's early 20s, which is where both Ryan and I were, were when we were working on this series. So we felt like there was like a real connection point that was organically available and like historically rooted for where we chose to go with the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I think um, in terms of making most an older person kind of dealing with dementia as well as queerness and things is we often talk about queerness and gender and all those things as something that belongs to the younger generation mm -hmm. and something that like, you know, isn't, again, like talking about how queerness and queer people and LGBT and all of these things have always been here and have always had a seat at the table and always been present often talk about it in terms of a coming of age story for young people but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about it for Ed in a way that like he's losing something but he's also gaining kind of a truth and acts um so yeah I think that's why we really also you you were dealing with like your grand your grandma and yeah I mentioned is space a very prominent thing within our lives at some points especially right now that it's important to make work that like speaks to that because mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people are dealing with right now yeah, in terms of the, the inspiration for dealing, tackling dementia as a topic, um, that came in our internal grandmother was diagnosed with dementia. 
And so over the course of a few years, um, sort of saw the progression from early to mid-stage dementia. Um, and it was a really difficult thing for me to wrap my head around. It was a hard thing to process it. Like illness like that sort of runs its course through an entire family, everyone who's now put into caretaker roles. And so this little thing that started as like a small six page comic from uh, my class, I just felt like there was, there was real heart there. There was something that was really important to me to explore. Um, and in starting to have that conversation, it opened up a lot of connection with other people who've been tied to that disease. Dementia is very common these days. I think there's like 15% of people above a certain age end up passing away with some form of dementia included in their, their story. Um, yeah, it felt like there was something powerful there. And, and Ryan and I kind of connected in some of the, the writing that I was doing at that time. So when we graduated, we like kicked it into overdrive and uh, started passing back and forth at Google Drive where we were writing a script as if it was a screenplay together. Mm -hmm. um, and here we are five years later, just finishing up our third book uh, yeah. in like the same sort of fashion. In the same sort of fashion. Who knew that it's going to be like a project that's fans were like 10 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I thought that I would make like a book a year when this started. I was like five years, I'll be done. We're like five years in and just starting book three yeah. illustration. <laughs> so it takes a little bit more time. Uh, but I think it deserves that time too, because it's like, it's given us so much time to like, and then bring those experiences into the world and into the characters. Um, in a way that we wouldn't have been able to do if we were, if we were finishing the series right now, like, it would oh, yeah. be a very It would have been awful. Problem. It would yeah. not have been a good book series <laughs> if, if I was finishing that in my early 20s. And <laughs> Early 30s, we'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe 40. You're listening to Gaywire's Artemis Peasley on CJSR 88.5 FM and author artists Kat Simmers and Ryan Danny Owens on the duo's queer graphic novel series, Pass Me By. So I really love the art in this, in this book. It's uh, gorgeous. And something that I noticed, because I read a lot of graphic novels, is that there seems to be this sort of trend in queer graphic novels in particular of an art style with a limited color palette. You know, uh, uh, what was it? The A few months ago, I read the graphic novel Bloom. Have you ever heard uh, read that one? Yeah. Bloom, which uses uh, just blues of different shades. And then not too long ago, I read uh, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Yeah. I love Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. I was going to mention that one if you didn't. The use of in that yeah. is so good. Even Fun Home as well. Fun Home. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not the illustrator. So if you. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the color palette is de was definitely like, uh, it came through a few different choices. So our first uh, run of the book, we self published through Kickstarter a risograph um, and to screen digital printing. So I was limited to a two color palette and I had actually just picked up She of the Mountains by Vivek Shreya around this time, mm -hmm. which used these green and pink um, silkscreen inspired chapter head illustrations. Um, and taking this like teal that I had sort of settled upon um, as like this way of structuring the majority of the world and then finding this pink as like a queering element um, pink became a really important way of us representing 
how Ed was placing who they are what they are memories in their present sense and as well as dropping into a memory fully. Um, which is why when we flip back to the 1970s, it's like an explosion of pink. Like mm -hmm. the, the color palette completely inverts on itself. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of a whole way of documenting and I guess a way of making that period really explode on page and really documenting that outrageousness. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes more of a compliment in like the present, present where it becomes more of a way of you know, enacting Ed's memories and kind of that history. Again, history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the interaction that I use whenever you get around to the book too um, is from overlapping these two colors in risograph. So I use the two, the pink and teal very separately in the present and then overlapping them in certain ratios allows me to use like pinks and magentas and purples uh, to create this like extra vintage sort of feel to it they've yeah. got especially in risograph they have such like a pulp comics feel to them that's a big thing is we love our pulp comics or pulp sex comics that were passed around in train stations and stuff mm -hmm. like that it's kind of a fun way of i guess again documenting that period of history and things like that but it's amazing too that from such a, like a minimal color palette you can get such a broad range of effects because even yeah. moving forward like the books are still kind of going to restrain themselves and stay within that color palette but keep on changing and moving forward still within those two tones it's very interesting yeah i have uh, i have room to maneuver still there's like deep navies that can happen from this interaction that i've thrown in excited for deep navies Ooh, it's gonna be so nice um <laughs> But yeah, it's been like uh, one of those things where you place limits around yourself and it actually is very liberating because now the challenge becomes how much can I do within these limits? Um, and instead of having every color imaginable, available, I have these specific set of circumstances. So how do I use those best? And that actually a lot of times becomes even clearer in that circumstance than if I was doing a full color project. Because it's interesting too that like you from the first book into the second book into your work now that like, restraining yourselves to those two tones actually really elevated your practice and really oh, yeah. gave you a style. Yeah. yeah, that's been one of the great things about having this project is like the bedrock for my art practice. Um, because I also, I've been fortunate to do quite a bit of work as a muralist here in Calran in my hometown of Bashaw. And like the sense of line and of color that I've built up uh, in the book has given me a really strong base to build off these like large scale works, which can be very overwhelming. Um, the way that I've built up my process in comics, you know, uh, it just gives it, it gives a nice structure when I'm staring at a like 3000 foot wall to like, okay, this, I gotta like lay things out and like the steps to take to get things to where they wanna be and how to make a really effective color palette in the end. I think that's one of the things that people really take away from my work is the way the color is used to sort of drive a message home. Yeah, it's it's one of the more striking parts of I think our book series in general is, mm -hmm. is it's such a, like a, again, it's, it's those queer elements. It also is just such an inversion of like traditional comics. Um, and I think that's a huge part of everything that we do as queer creators. Do you think that there's something inherently queer about this, uh, the sort of, limited color palette that like the it like in bloom and in uh laura dean keeps breaking up with me something sort of uh it can't be a coincidence right there has to be yeah. some uh correlation right i i don't know i think it, it's like it's again it's kind of breaking the like binary of traditional comics to, to restrict yourself to restrain it but also like completely break expected ways of interpreting color mm -hmm. and interpreting illustration i guess but i don't know 
I'm just the writer. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's gotta be. I think that a lot of times that sort of like connection happens almost in like an unconscious amongst us too. Like, um, I, as a queer creator, I'm always looking at what other, what else is happening in queer comics and things, you know. Um, when I was illustrating book two, I was flipping through Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me all the time to see how the, they dealt with environments and they dealt with characters and they dealt with color. Um, yeah, I think that because we're so like interested in the stories that other people are telling, we're going to get engaged in the aesthetics that they're using as well. Yeah, I wanted to interview the writer of that book because she recently started writing for Batman. And I was like, oh, I, this is hot stuff. I got to get on this. And uh, but no, I couldn't I couldn't find any. Information, so draft. Darn. Ready for Batman. Oh, it's going to yeah. be so cool. <laughs> Lots of ways to go there. So yeah, uh, what other work have you guys done uh, apart from this one? And yeah, like what's some work that you hope to be doing in future? Yeah, we have a, an anthology series that's coming out with Renegade. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a story for that one. It's uh, about isolation and stuff like that so I wrote a a pretty intimate story about depression and and kind of loss and longing and all those things and it's very much like a transient experience to work Mm -hmm. with that but in my own work I again I run a a queer archive that's in terms of class and uh all these things and you know it's I I feel like as a freelance maker and like a freelance artist you kind of just end up doing things like (laughs) things just kind of happen I don't know I, I feel like at this point it just I'm willing to see where anything goes because there's no, the Bojack Horseman, there's no plane. Like you can't get back on the plane. So you got to kind of be in free fall for a while and just see where you land. Yeah, I'm very excited for that anthology series that like, um, that was a space where I was working in full color. So it was really interesting for me to step out of that limited color palette. I still use color in a, it was a pretty way. I just, within like CMYK printing, I had an ability to use like gradients and color in a different way. Yeah. Um, I don't know when exactly that's coming out, but <laughs> no I'm idea. very excited for it. It's, it's about a uh, humanoid cloud <laughs> dealing with depression. <laughs> it feels like a band like this, like, figure made out of smoke putting on clothing and like assuming the form of a person without feeling like a person. Um, so that's exciting. But I also, uh, for anyone who's touring through Calgary or lives in this city, I've done a few uh, large mural projects. Uh, two main ones been through the Bellline Urban Mural Project. In 2019, I did a large mural on the backside of uh, shelf like books over in Central Memorial Park. Uh, it's called Vanitas. And then in 2020, uh, as a muralist, I often collaborate with my brother, Derek. And Derek led a project for a flotillation that climbs 20 feet high, wraps around a corner, and heads down towards these elevator banks that lifts you up to High Park. Um, so those are really cool ones if anyone's curious to see what uh, the work that I have out in the world looks yeah. like. Trying to get it to Edmonton. Maybe soon you can do a mural in Edmonton. I want to get it to Basho. I'm climbing north, but... <laughs> Um, oh, and then actually the two, uh, the most queer ones uh, that worth mentioning is uh, at Ship and Anchor Pub, I did a mural called uh, Metamorphosis, which is in the color palette of the trans flag and uh, was a move to declaiming uh, space. 
And also in Inglewood on 9th Ave, I have a gender swapped VJ Day kiss, the, the famous photo of the sailor coming back from World War II and kissing this nurse in uh, Times Square. Mm -hmm. uh, did a very uh, very transgender swapped uh, version of that, which now which was the, you know, mm -hmm. we talk about um, how interesting it is with work that's like the book. The first book was released in 2019, and then the second book was released in 2021. Mm -hmm. And from that time period, the things that are happening in book one seem so entirely different and mean something entirely different, just in terms of like where you come into that work now, mm -hmm. and you learn so much about yourself while doing it that like that kiss piece was such an interesting one when you transition looking backwards, mm -hmm. being like, oh, that's what that's about. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. It's funny looking back on your own artwork and seeing like the things that you were piecing together had to lend verbal language, but you were you were telling yourself it anyway. It's always in the background. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that you say that. I watched The Matrix for the first time oh. the other week. And in reading on that, because when I was watching it, I'm like, this is the most transgender thing I have ever consumed in my entire life. And then all my friends are like, I don't get it. Like, what's so transgender about it? I don't understand. And like, I, I just read like the first article that came up on it. And uh, what they were saying in that is that the Wachowski sisters, you know, weren't quite out to themselves that they were transgender and sort of, formed themselves what they already knew within themselves in their work which further told themselves would you say that you had a similar experience that like that oh 100 fully i yeah. i think um i know that people don't like the matrix four but i actually love the matrix four because it is extremely trans it is such a trans story and there's so much in it that like is about reclaiming that trans experience because i think with the Matrix in particular co-opted by a group of people as something that like, you know, red pill, blah, blah, blah. But when the Wachowskis were like, nah, this is a trans story and they fully just took claim and reclaimed it. I actually think that's a wonderful thing. Like taking that back from them, mm -hmm. like that's so powerful. And I, I think in a lot of ways, I see that within my own work as like, I'm looking back at it now and being like, oh, I see what I was saying to myself that I couldn't understand. It didn't have the words to fully comprehend now. And it's welcoming more people into seeing that. And it's kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know that for myself, like um, in writing book three, you know, I was sort of creating a world and opportunities for a character that I wanted to see for myself. And it was in thinking through like what would a trans experience be like for this certain characters that we're dealing with? I started to think about what that would mean for myself. And I started to, you know, really understand where I wanted to go in my own life through the way that I was representing characters in this story. Um, yeah. I think we've also like done some really like kind things for ourselves. We've even written in conversations like that I wish that I had when I was 16 or something. You know, we're writing in these these opportunities that, that we want for ourselves uh that we want for you know queer people of the next generation and, and for like the young people to read that and see themselves represented i think mm -hmm. it's such an important thing that like i want to keep doing those and keep learning from myself of the past going into the future and that's something that we get to do as creators as artists mm -hmm. yeah. and like as creators coming from a very like prairie background where these types of stories aren't often as celebrated and are 
sort of swept under the rug. Um, so I think there's something really powerful there uh, in what we're doing. And so, yeah, uh, well, I in particular am 16 for another two days. So what advice do you have for, say, me or any other queer youth listening to this uh, program right now? You first. Me first. <laughs> Ooh, what would I want to say? Also, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy <laughs> um, I think that, like, to paraphrase some of the things that we're saying in, in book three, we're kind of talking about how there's, like, uh, uh, like hide away parts of yourself because it feels safer and because you're afraid that other people won't understand things because maybe you don't even understand it yourself. And a thing that really helped me get further in my life was to like give up on trying to find some like clean, rational explanation of who I am and to just lean into feeling and like a more intuitive understanding of, of how I exist in the world. Um, yeah, I think in the to go off of that, in the same way, I, I think remembering that queerness and, and all of these things transitioning and all of that is also in a state of flux and it's like mm -hmm. always changing. And the way that you're going to interpret yourself is like never going to be set permanently. Like you can constantly be changing your mind and constantly be moving forward and respecting that like your story and those moments of like learning are going to happen forever mm -hmm. and are for people so like remembering that change is part of all of this and like mm -hmm. moving forward you don't have to define yourself within a binary you don't have to define yourself in a restricted concept it's like i think really empowering mm -hmm. I, I think that like ultimately you don't need to have all of the answers no. you just have to have an interest in finding the answers like i think and a willingness to it right right yeah, yeah like to start on the the journey of transition like i had no idea how that would all play out and every person has such a unique experience but i i wanted to find out i wanted to step to the, like approach the things that scared me and um and it's been nothing but great and rewarding and i feel like i'm growing so much through the experience yeah but there's always people too i think that's something i know is need to remind myself is like it's very easy to feel lost and it's very easy to feel like you don't have a belonging and there's no but there always is mm -hmm. and there's always someone who speaks that same language who speaks in that same way that like you can find them and like in yourself learn from them. I think that's one thing is like kinship is so yeah. vital to queer experience and like learning from each other, moving with each other. It's like, like that. Um, I think that's a huge part of like why we're so close and why we're friends. It's mm -hmm. like <laughs> pre pre transition cat, very different from who cat is now. But <laughs> it was very much like when we came together, there was this unspoken like understanding mm -hmm. that you learn from each other in ways that might be possible yeah, yeah we had there was like an immediate click that happened with us like, that we did not yeah. understand at first and what's going on uh, misrepresented figured out and wrote into book two <laughs> <laughs> that's heavy stuff but like i i i understand like completely what you're saying thank you guys <laughs> so much for that uh, I got a few more questions about the book. Uh, so what can we expect from book three? What, what, what's coming? What's coming for Ed and the other characters who I'm sure I'd know if I read book two? You'll get it when you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh gosh, what is coming in book three? A lot of things. It's a very ambitious kind of move forward. So we're jumping back into 
the present. So book two takes place basically exclusively in the 90s. And then, or book two takes place exclusively in the 1970s. And then book three jumps back into the present era or uh, 2017 or something. It's kind of a period piece. Pre-COVID <laughs> world. Uh -huh. um, but basically we're moving into a lot of territories of like intergenerational and also it's going to be reconnecting with his granddaughter and like learning from those things and yeah. it's kind of we've talked about our series as like an inverted coming of age story um for ed and the really interesting part now is introducing lily um who's a character who's like on the edge of 17 and is really coming into her uh, in terms of her own identity and these two experiences like playing off of each other is like a really exciting place where we're going. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of like small town antics. There's like heavy conversations, but humor thrown in there to lighten the situation. The jam conversation keeps going. I think people really want to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's again, it's one of those things that like, it's such a big story and it's growing and it's it's kind of elevating to a point where like, I don't know exactly what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how people are going to react to some of the decisions that we've made, mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be something that speaks to a wide range of people. And it speaks to a lot of trans identity and like gender and, you know. And, and living with yeah. disease and illness uh, yeah, in general absolutely. as well, because dementia continues to be um, a prominent feature of the story. And book one, we're sort of catching Ed on the stage dementia and as we're progressing into mid-stage dementia and heading into late stage further on in the series um i we get to represent what we found in research as well as through my experience with my grandmother who's sort of gone through those stages over the years um so that's a story that we still want to very much be doing just kind of our first experience introducing elements that will change your reading of the previous books yeah. with each new edition You are listening to Gaywire on CJSR FM, on CJSR 88.5 FM on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. This interview features our reporter Artemis Peasley and author-artists Kat Simmers and Ryan Danny Owens on the duo's queer graphic novel series, Pass Me By. And how many more books do you think you guys will pump out in this series? What can we expect in the future? So we we're aiming for a five book series. So uh, this one is like the, the the third one is kind of the big turning point one where like the plot really starts to kick in because mm -hmm. this one is like a very slow, very like quiet book. And then the second book is like quite outrageous and fast and very, uh, very quick paced. We really mm -hmm. like to have snappy stuff. And then the third one again calms down, but it's going to kind of build up towards book four and book five as the closing part of the story. And they're like, yeah, where we're going. But there's a lot of space to like find out what I guess the next steps are. Yeah, yeah. We have, we've had like a strong skeletal structure of where we want the series to go as a whole, pretty much since we started. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like bits and pieces of writing. Um, there's like a huge chunk of book four that, that I did like a manic episode <laughs> over like 30 hours um, that we'll have to come back to. Um, yeah. yeah, even book three, like we kind of had a, an idea of where it was going to go. Mm -hmm. But then as we were working on it and, you know, dealing with isolation and like I, I was dealing with a lot of things in my, myself going through a lot of transitioning and, you know, mm -hmm. moving forward, it, 
it's leaving a lot of space for our own stories to come into those and like our own growth mm. and expansion to come into these things. So we're definitely set on a five book series because I don't want to be doing this for the next 20 years. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'm really curious to see, I guess, what happened because 100% sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's so fun how like as this story goes on, um, we've created this world and we've created these characters and they it almost starts to write itself, especially in the process of Ryan and I talking together about how a character would respond or uh, initiate a conversation. We, we have like a pretty deep understanding of who these characters are mm -hmm. and they start to write their own stories in a way exactly. as we work yeah. on it. Um, characters are like, Rory is such an interesting character in terms of like, he kind of tells his own dialogue to us and like kind of yeah. is his own person. You can like really understand, I guess, how he would respond to Serenus and Ed's an incredible character for that because as we're jumping into the past, we learn so much about the way that he approaches conversations in the present mm -hmm. and like, that changes what book one means and like, yeah, it's it's growing constantly and you kind of just have to let the characters tell you what's going on, I guess. Mm -hmm. There's like that idea that like the that artist has like a vessel quality, like the stories oh, yeah. just like kind of flow through you and you have some input onto it. I'm always just a medium, that's what people always say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think what do you think you guys will do after this series is done? After it's uh concluded will there be a spin-off uh a jam related spin-off perhaps <laughs> martha's jams her own series oh uh, gosh i don't know i think i've learned so much writing this i tell stories and i see such a value in doing that that like i would love to i don't know continue to tell stories maybe different stories and like maybe different mediums different mediums i could definitely see you writing a play or <laughs> like i i know that a uh, it, originally, the dream was just to make this series as a, a graphic novel series, um, and now that's looking very achievable. A uh, lot of work over several years, but like we're gonna do that. Like I know that I'm gonna commit to that. Uh, so now the dream has become turning it into like a television series afterwards. That would be the fantasy, that would be yeah. that's the fantasy that I like, that I use to sustain myself. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of the language, like we we came into our first book not even having really done a lot of comics and stuff like that previously yeah. so we literally like i'm obsessed with film and like i i'm a big film buff and i do all those things so a lot of the language of comics in this term or in this book is related to film language and related mm -hmm. to like you know uh previous movies and things that spoke to us as like mm -hmm. our own experiences and stuff like that so i think film and media like jumping into graphic novels and then graphic novels jumping into film and media could be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, like we're so inspired by film, like the way that we write our script that I end up illustrating the book from is written like a screenplay. And we were looking at scripts and we were watching intros to movies to figure out how to write our own opening. Yeah. So the way that like film has influenced our graphic novel would be really exciting to see that return to film screen but through the lens of the graphic novel years later. Uh, Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that works out for you. It would be really cool if this became uh, a graphic novel. I, yeah, like, good luck. Maybe move to Vancouver, see if that uh, works out for you guys. Lord, don't want to move to Vancouver. <laughs> love you, Vancouver. Kind of. I would love it if I could afford it. Yeah, that's a thing. I think also too, just like stories that come out of the prairies are very important to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, representing queer communities based in the prairies is something that I find very important because again, they, 
remember this whole time. Yeah, like I, like in the stories that we're telling the murals that I do, and even just like the person that I am walking down the street, I really do like to like remind myself, like this is my city as much as it is anyone else, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. <laughs> uh, where can our audience get your book? Um, so it's available at pretty much all bookstores. I just saw it at Chapters a few days ago, which was fun. I took a picture of it. Just being like, ooh! ooh. Um, but it's available at all indie bookstores, hopefully, to either be ordered or they might have it. Um, you can also get a special Risograph copy. I think it's still on Kat's uh, website. Yeah. yeah. we The Risograph edition that I talked about is a limited edition available on my website, kylesimmers.com. Uh, Gotta update that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a process. It's a process. Yes. Um, and you can also order our book online from Renegade Arts Entertainment. We love Renegade. Big love to Renegade. They, they, that's one thing that we're really lucky to have such a, a publisher that lets us kind of do what we what, want. whatever we want. Yeah. Like a, it's very much a creator-owned, creator-run business. And like, you don't, don't get a lot of uh, publishing companies and stuff. Mm -hmm. We're very lucky. Thanks, Renegade. Love you. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say to our audience before we close this up here you know any finishing statements any plugs that you want to shout out um for uh, both calvary and edmonton uh brian and i are going to be appearing at fan expo uh that'll be in april here in calvary and then in september up in edmonton uh so definitely come swing by we'll have risograph copies of the on things we're, we're the pink ones you'll see us well <laughs> you'll spot us um yeah i don't know we got we got stuff coming up we're always doing things uh cat's really active online so go follow cat's instagram yeah um, i'm on instagram at cat simmers uh, i like posting actually uh, art so you can follow me at r danny owen uh on instagram i've taken a, a hiatus from the internet because it's a scary place right now but um, I will be back at some point. <laughs> and uh, obviously our, our, uh, our book three will be coming out the plan. And then we have the, anthol call, uh, the anthology coming out with Renegade probably this year, maybe next year. We're not hundred percent sure on that one, but give us a follow and we'll be around. And uh, thank you so much for having us. This has been really interesting. Yeah, this was a lovely conversation. Yeah. Thank You just heard Artemis Peasley speaking with Kat Simmers and Ryan Danny Owens about queer things, trans things, book things, art things, movie things, and mostly their graphic novel series, Pass Me By. You can find Pass Me By at any bookstore you like, though if you'd like to support local, try out The Glass Bookshop. If... Ooh... If you're just tuning in, thank you. Genuinely, thank you. I hope that your socks are not sticking to the arch of your foot in an uncomfortable way, and I hope that the shoulders of your shirt are resting comfortably against your bones. This is Gaywire 
on CJSR 88.5 FM on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. Otherwise known as Amiskwichi Wiskigan or sometimes Edmonton. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode of Gaywire. It was produced by Artemis Peasley, Jao Victor Krieger, and myself, Terence Adams. That is all the time that we have for today's episode. Gaywire is, of course, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichi, Wisconsin, which is colonially known as Edmonton land which has been the home and traveling ground of many, including, but not limited, to Blackfoot, Anishinaabe, Nakota Sioux, Soto, Dene, Cree, and Métis people. I recognize that I am a white settler on these lands and that I benefit from the ongoing violent structure of colonialism and that my work needs to be actively anti-racist and deeply intentional to begin to honor those who have been caretakers of this land for generations. This work begins with self-assessment and unlearning, an ongoing journey. All of us at Gaywire encourage you to think critically about the structures of power we reside within, your role in and around it, and what you can do to challenge the damaging legacies and mechanisms of colonialism in your day-to-day. Please tune in next week to hear more Prairie Queer content, and until then, check out our socials. Our Instagram is at GaywireCJSR, as well as our TikTok, and our Facebook and Twitter is at Gaywire. You can also email gaywire at cjsr.com, Uh, Give us anything you wish. Our original music is by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz, and our artwork is by Travis Erickson. Until next time, remember to breathe deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, and to stretch both up, down, sideways, and around, and to eat a vegetable and a fruit, maybe. Spice things up a bit. And... Please stay on the line.